Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm here with Robin Rice. Uh, Robin, uh, we're connected through uh, Lisa Adkins. She, uh, for those of you who are, have an interest in the Agile community, will know her work uh, on coaching, coaching Agile teams. So she suggested you, uh, suggested you, and that was kind of good enough for me uh, to bring you on the show. I've now read one of your books, of which I know there are many, um, Training Your Inner Warrior, uh, Becoming Your Most Powerful Ally. Uh, there's the, the arresting cover there. Uh, so that's great. We can, um, we can delve into some of that. Uh, and of course, you're also a, you've been a mentor for many years of leaders, bringing them into consciousness and doing a lot of that online for over a decade, as I said. So there might be some interesting tips there we can throw in in terms of um, doing what we do online. But Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Richard. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Okay, so um, well, let's dive into this idea of your inner warrior. Well, maybe we ought to start with what what is what is one's inner warrior, and, and why should we care about it? Indeed. Uh, so um, years ago, my various people kept saying, "How do you get so much done?" And I said, "I don't know how to." tell you that, but I could walk you through how I work if you'd like and how I think more importantly. And so training your inner warrior came from that. And the idea was that there's a genius inside of us. There's wisdom inside of us, but how do we get at it? You know, we spend so much time up in the top of our head going, you know, what did I do wrong? Is this going to go wrong? We kind of spend our time spinning our wheels. And so what, how could we develop a figure inside of ourselves? And so this is completely fictional. Your inner warrior is fictional. All the characters are fictional. I write fiction. So I just made up all of these characters in your brain so you could actually interact with yourself in a new way. And that way you can sort of get a step aside from your own processes and look at them and say, huh, I wonder why I do that. Why do I do things that I say I don't want to do? Why don't I do things I say I do want to do? And so we developed this inner warrior character, again, fictional, but a wisdom figure to help us. And uh, amazingly, it works. It really helps to have that, just that secondary viewpoint, maybe. Right. So, uh, so having uh, almost like you say, you're opening up a kind of what a different quality of dialogue with yourself somehow by yes, by like creating exactly. this character. Is it something like that? Yes. And then you know, I've designed it so that you know, on day three. I basically tell you how you acted on day one, even though theoretically I shouldn't be able to know that. But I do know that because I know what you're going to do. When I give you this, when I give you this on day one, you're going to go, nah, no, I don't have to do that or whatever. And so on day three, I say, you know, you said, nah, no, I don't have to do that. But here we are. And wouldn't it have been great if you had done it? So we play a lot. It's super fun. I think right now learning is so boring in a lot of ways. (laughs) So like, right. how do we make learning super fun and fiction and storytelling allows us to do that? Um, and then we develop this character and we think, well, what, what would it be like if, if I had trust in myself? You know, this is about the war within. You're not developing a warrior to fight anybody else. It's just fighting this inside war we all have. Right, right. And then, and yeah, and, and so you, you, you introduce various characters to the story. We should say this is a, so the book is a 30, 30 day program. 31 days. 31 yeah. day programs. And it's online as well. Yeah. And it's online. Uh, and so you, you're given exercise every day. So I've read it. I've not, I, did, I didn't have the 30 days to do it all, but I, yeah, I got a real flavor for what it would be like. Um, and then you introduce these, these characters that I, I suppose just give you another perspective on your own psyche. And as you say, f- find ways to manage your own 
yeah, your own yeah. patterns of dysfunction, you might say, and, and like amplify, you know, that, that part of you that is a warrior. Exactly, exactly. And so we have like for the character of your little gen, your little generator, you know, this is the metaphor of, you know, the house has gone out of electricity and you have this tiny little generator. And the beginning of anything new, that's all the amount of space we really have for something new. So we have this little generator, which we try to shove all kinds of change into. And it just explodes. It says, I'm sorry, I, you know, I'm happy to run the blow dryer, but I'm not going to be running the refrigerator at the same time. Which one do you want? You know, we get to choose. But once we realize, one, that we have to choose, and two, that we get to choose, well, now we can start to make some headway because instead of just doing what we've always done, which is jam everything onto the same little generator, we make little choices that, that allow us to go there. So the idea is little gen isn't real. It's just a fun way of looking at it. You know, this tiny little generator in the front of your brain. It gives us, it gives us an in with a little bit of humor. Right. Yes. And so, and what you're suggesting then that this little gen is that when you say jam it up with, what are we jamming it up with? Like, what, yeah, just unpack that. Well, for example, you decide I'm going to get in shape, which is very nebulous, right? I'm going to get in shape. And so um, immediately think of all the things you have to do to get in shape. Well, I need to get my sneakers. I need to get my outfit. I need to get my schedule set. I need to get my calendar showing it. I need to make the appointments with the, you know, whatever, whatever. And immediately inside of yourself, you're just setting yourself up to fail. Like instantly that's a setup to fail, especially if that's how you've done it every other time before. Not only have you set yourself up to sit, fail, but you've actually tapped into your failure mechanism from the start. Because if you're doing it how you always did it and it always led to failure, your brain says, well, this is how we fail. So even though you're trying something new, if it's not new enough, you're in trouble. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, and I and I definitely relate to that. Like you, you blow it up into this big project. You know, this this, and, and you, you almost like work backwards from the vision yes. where you want to be. And like, well, if I'm there, I'm going to need this, 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 this. Uh, and I think that's a shift I made. You know, maybe five or six. Years. I'm not like I'm not there yet, but I'm get, certainly getting better at. No, no. Like, what's the what's the one what's the minimal viability sort of agile so like what's the minimal viable action like i could take tomorrow and i use it with meditation like you know i've I've been in and out of meditation practice but one thing i've learned to do is that if i lose the rhythm for a bit i don't go back and tell myself oh okay i need to get back to meditating half an hour day i'm like how can i meditate for like five seconds right if i can meditate for five seconds this morning and tomorrow i can make it 10 seconds and maybe by the end of the week i've got i'm down to a minute and I have so much more success with like reintroducing these patterns into my life. Um, Absolutely. Doing and, it and that you way. Even do it, you can do it right then. You can say, oh, wait, I just realized I wanted to be med- uh, meditating. So, okay, right now, five seconds. And you don't put it off until tomorrow morning, which is a much bigger deal, right? right. Like, okay, well, I remembered it. And if you do that every time you remember that you wanted to meditate, instead of making it a scheduled thing, you become accustomed again. your tiny little generator is like, oh, this is no big deal. I can do it for five seconds right now. No big deal. And by the time you do that, every time you think about it, you've actually gotten yourself into a practice without ever planning to get to a practice. Right. And then now you can start planning the practice because it's not new anymore. It's just, oh, well, this is what I'm doing. Now I'm going to do it at nine o'clock. So even the Right. That's interesting. Cause that's, that's a new idea for me. Cause yeah, I'd got it down to think about the smallest possible set, but I'd still have a tendency to want to schedule it and be like, okay, exactly. I'll do that. 
at right. six o'clock in the morning tomorrow, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. So the, the easiest, the very lowest hanging fruit is just right now. And so what I try to do in my brain, and this is a lot about how our brains work, because we are only beginning to understand how our brains work. Brain science is reasonably new, quite new for humans as, as a whole. So how do we now take what we know and actually make it actionable? And so this, this moment, this moment, which is, as far as I'm concerned, consciousness itself, right? This moment is the only one we actually have. When you can get yourself to do something in this moment that you want to do, you are so far ahead of the game. Right, right, yeah. So minimal viable action right now. Like exactly, that's a powerful right idea. Now. That's right. Like what's the tiniest Drop thing I could do? Drop and do your push-up right now. And guess what? Your identity says, oh, I'm exercising. And, and the identity gets on board. When your identity gets on board, I am an exerciser, right? This is all about moving into an identity to be the kind of person, right. the kind of person who does push-ups. Well, in your mind, the kind of person who does push-ups is probably the kind of person who's fit. So you're moving yourself along. And the minute you have the idea, like, drop down, do it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see how that's such more, but by embodying it in that way, it's more powerful in terms of building your identity from it. Cause, be, because you have this, I suppose, this greater sense of what this identity yes. means. If you've, if you've trained your body to somehow uh, exactly. Uh, express exactly. that. Yeah. I've used it no. with quite a few different things, but then, then, you know, this moment becomes like it's immediate access. But the other cool thing is, if you say, I should do it right now, but I'm not, you have a moment to look at that and say, why not? What is my brain doing? What are the arguments I have against doing it right now? Well, I'm not dressed right. Well, you can do, you know, one push up in any kind of clothes. So that kind of falls apart. Right. right. And then you, you, you just have this moment where why not right now becomes a consciousness moment and you, you begin to hear yourself in a way that's usually in the background. You force it to the foreground, you ask yourself some questions, and then you make great progress when you don't do it, in addition to when you do do it. You make great process when you don't do it, in addition to when you do do it. And that's because you're exposing all the parts yes. of you that say don't do it, and, and, exactly. and you get to pick it apart, that's what you mean. Exactly, exactly. So either way you win, and this is all, the whole thing of training your inner warrior is about wins. We have a psyche in our current culture that is all about remembering our losses. This is, goes into your, you know, being human. Being human is so complex. And, and one of the things that we're trained to do, we're not afraid of the cyber-toothed tiger anymore. We're actually not. What we're primed to be afraid of is losing status in our community because we literally cannot live without a community as, as a human being today. So our greatest fear is losing whatever it is, esteem or position or whatever, or whatever it is that's going on. And because we're afraid of that, we spend all of our time on an attention on what's wrong with us to make sure that we fix it, to make sure that, that we're okay. Right. And that we fit in I mean, with the community, right? Exactly. But then all the good stuff, your brain's like, I'm not wasting my energy on all that good stuff. We're good there. We're fine. We don't, you know, we're not in danger there. And so we forget all the good stuff. So bringing it front of mind, watching ourselves do this 
And really, it's it's all just about watching ourselves. That's all consciousness is, this greater and greater awareness. And the things that are thwarting us are not in our conscious awareness. They're in our, you know, subconscious or pre-conscious or who knows where. I don't really care where it is. I only care is if it's running my life, if my background noise is running my life and running my thought patterns and I can't stop my thought patterns and those kinds of things. Well, how do I change that? How do I change that right now? And again, put it in right now. Minimum, what did you call it? Minimum viable uh, action right now. Action right now. Yes, minimum viable <laughs> action right now. And so it's all just exploration. Right, right. Well, it is all just explanation, but but an explanation in a very, you know, the way that you've described it just now, in a in an embodied, like in a very action oriented, exactly. embodied sense, I suppose is what is, is the emphasis you're drawing here. Yeah. Well, we we can think all day long, and we got we've gotten really good at thinking, but you know, put your body into it, and you're in a whole new ballgame. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that you are. You. Yeah. No, I, I, that makes a lot of sense. Um. And then you make this distinction between little gen, right, and and big brain. So, you know, yeah. what's what's that? Okay, so the big brain is is just the machine in your head. People mistake that when we view ourselves, they mistake our history as us. It's literally just a machine. You can remember a song from 20 years ago, couple, you know, name that tune, couple couple notes and you're in it, right? So this brain has been recording everything, putting it somewhere. And we only they say we only use 30% of our brain anyway. So I'm really curious if we're evolving before our very own eyes, which I think we are. What's the other 70% got? <laughs> what got game for, you know? But, but with this big brain is where we just store all of our habits. This is just what we do. These are our brain synapses. This is what we're used to. So again, say you've tried to... Um, Stop procrastinating is one of the big things that people often bring. You can bring anything to training your inner warrior, but procrastination is one of the big things for people. If you've tried to stop procrastinating maybe 10 different times in 10 different ways and you failed every time, you have trained your brain, your big brain, your memory brain, that anytime you start training yourself to stop procrastinating, you know, that's the information code. I train myself, I am trying not to procrastinate. The end result is I still procrastinate. Now you've got to undo those 10 attempts in addition to the actual procrastination. Right, yeah. So you've got a lot of work there. If you don't come in in a completely different way, which is where your genius demon ally comes in as our character, right? If you don't train yourself in a completely different way, the likelihood is you're going to have the same result that you've always had. The effort equals failure. And then you had take on the identity of being a failure. And that's a real problem. Now we All have right. to work with your identity as a failure. So part of what I do with training your inner warrior is give you a success every single day so that by the time you're done, you're like, wow, I succeeded, if only in showing up for 31 days, which is a miracle for some people. You know, <laughs> my job is to make it fun so you want to, right? But you have this, you have this, I've shown up. So now the identity, which was stuck on I'm a failure, has to admit, well, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm not a failure. And then we've got a wedge in to really make change. Right, right. Because yeah, I get very excited about that part. <laughs> yeah, you've given 
yeah, you you've almost confronted that identity with a an alternative identity, exactly. which is one that wins exactly. every day. Exactly, exactly. And so right. you practice having now now that you have a wedge in this. I'm a failure. You you have proof that you're not always a failure. So we talk about always and never. You're not always a failure. Now you can widen that crack and say, okay, I'm going to build on the fact that I'm not always a failure. And most people don't walk around and say, yes, I have this identity of I'm, I'm, I'm always a failure. But it's certainly one of the programs that's running in the background of an awful lot of us because of our culture. We were, it's not your fault. We were trained this way. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So one question that comes to me as I talk about this, and, and just reflecting on my own experience with this style of working with myself, is that yeah. there are certain, like, let's take meditation, for example, like there are certain where I can see that this may even be a more, slightly more powerful way of me sort of build, building habits like that, or like playing guitar, or um, I don't know, whatever it might be, but some sort of uh, beneficial habit and an and, and addition to my identity, you might say, um, that that would cause me um you know to have a better quality of life let's say or, or to a better experience right. of life but what i've also found that in some cases this sort of this style of working where it's it's more about the behavior and the thought pattern and so on has kind of hit a blocker where it's bumped up against uh for me um parts of my psyche if you like that are deeply wounded um yes. and that result from my early trauma and in those cases, this type of approach, which focuses a little bit more on the the, the, the thought patterns and the behaviors, sort of almost hits a limit. At a certain point, I've got I've had to go and like rip the lid off all of that pain that's about, you know that's underneath yes. and get some yes. resolution there, and then almost come back to the more cognitive behavioral style approaches. I, I don't know how that lands for you. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind training your inner warrior. It, Training your inner warrior is only one of those ways in, if you will. But the, the bigger question, and, and it's a very, it's humorous, but it's cerebral. And, and then it's bringing in the body and all that sort of thing. The reality is with our wounds, we have wounds that are scars that shape us. And then we have wounds that are festering. And so the festering wounds definitely have to be cleaned out. We can't move on without that. So it's actually sometimes helpful to see where something inside of you says, stop, this is still too much. And it points to what you have, the work you have to do in your healing and that journey. So it can be valuable that way, but you're absolutely right. Sometimes we have to step back and, and say what, what has to be addressed here, what must be attended to, and then we attend to it, hopefully. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. I almost see a little bit of flipping between masculine and feminine, right? Because in some ways, the way I pass this is, the, is this something about masculine and feminine, right? The warrior, that that kind of energy, action-oriented, positive, and harnessing that positive intent um, versus sometimes, you know, that's almost runs its course. And we have to sort of flip into something that's a little bit more feminine. And okay, this is about holding something, exploring something a little bit more gently. And um and doing some healing and some grieving, you know, before I can yeah. sort of flip back into the masculine. I, th that's the way I can see this a little. Yes, and and I would say, keep in mind that you know, over the course of the thirty-one days, I revealed that this inner warrior 
is a wisdom figure. It's not an action taker. It's the one who advises you which action will move you in the right direction and which one will move you in the wrong direction, right? So we we haven't trained our inner warrior to be the one that says, just do it, do your do your sit-ups right now. You know, we 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 train our inner warrior to tell us yes and no. We consult our inner resources, our outer resources, our intuition, all kinds of things. So even though what we've been describing so far does sound masculine, it's actually very balanced with the feminine by the time we're done with our 31 days. And um, and so, yes, you're going to do something, but you're going to do something so small that your brain is going to be like, well, that'll never work. Right. And, and, and I want you to, like, I, I remember one woman, she said, well, I know what I'm going to do because on day 15, you choose what you're going to do. And people always choose in the old way of thinking, right? So it's, there's so much material on day 15 to try to get through this. But she said, I want to swim. I think it was like, I want to swim five days a week from four to 5 PM, whatever. She had this big, big goal and, and her goal was so big. I knew it would be days before it was broken. Like there's no way she was going to get a win out of this. So I said, all right, will you trust me? She said, yes, here's what you do. You are allowed to put your swimsuit on three days a week. That's it. She's like, how am I ever going to get in shape with putting my swimsuit on? I'm like, you're not <laughs> right. And yet with that tiny little action, well, my swimsuit's already on. I might as well go swimming. Right. And and so this then moves in a very intuitive, gentle way into the action based on the tiniest little win. Yeah. It's a super, super micro. But that way in doesn't set off all of those chains of events that lead to our failure. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like I, another metaphor that comes to mind is like you have. um you know, this new virus, you don't excite the antibodies, right? Like exactly. it's, 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 exactly. it's enough under the radar that this, this, yeah, yeah, I can imagine it like the big brain, you know, the, 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 this entrenched identity that's been with you for years doesn't sort of bite on it and, and try and destroy exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. That's the genius demon ally aspect. It's the same figure, but it's working against you. Um, I literally have a little post-it note in front of me that I keep in front of me that says win by the smallest margin possible. Right. <laughs> like, that's but that's so consistent with that, but that's also kind of totally consistent with nature, right? You know, I've kind of exactly. into this idea of like fractal, like how, how, how can we uh, take action that's consistent with like how the world and nature works, but that's exactly how nature is. The tight is it's so efficient, isn't it? What's the tidiest move we it could is. make? It is. Is yeah. and it doesn't trip up our ego. What I don't really like the word ego, but most people understand that to be you know our surface self that is aggressive and wants a lot, right? It 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 doesn't see any value in it, so it also lets it pass through um, the process of little Jen very easily. Like, oh, putting on my bathing suit—that's not going to do anything. Therefore, I'm willing to let you do it, as opposed right. to. That's going to change my identity if I go swimming five times a week. I will be a different person. That's a big change. It's going to invoke all of our stuff that's subconscious that's saying, but you don't want to be that kind of person or whatever. Yeah. It's just bypassing. Yeah. 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 Well, let's, um, we, we should, we should, we should uh, fill out the, the cast list here. So we've also got the sun and the moon. Yes. All right. So 
and I don't want to give everything away, mind you, but but the idea is is that we have pressure from inside of us to grow, and we have pressure from the society to fit in. And those things butt up against each other all the time, right? They're constantly, I want to grow, but usually the growth that we want isn't inside of um, the deep growth that we want isn't inside of the cultures. This is good. So you're having to um, possibly be rejected for some weird idea or you're, you know, if you really want to be progressive, you're, you're going to have to have the people who don't want to be progressive giving you flack. And so these two fight each other, fitting in and growing deeply fight each other. And so we have to learn to work with them and understand that they're they're both at play. And oftentimes we don't separate the two. We think, well, we'll just grow in such a way that we don't offend anyone, right? But that's not very big growth, to be honest. <laughs> you don't get very far with that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you have to learn this negotiation between these aspects of yourself. Right. Urges. Right. They're urges. They're literal urges. I mean, a flower must have some kind of urge to grow through the seed, to break through, to blossom. It must have what I call an urge of some kind to have this happen. We have that same thing inside of us because we're also blooming flowers. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I completely charge with my own experience. Yeah. When you start doing the yeah. self-work, yeah, all of those yeah. relationships get, well, in my case, virtually all of my relationships got challenged quite significantly, right? You know. Yeah. And so that's threatening, right? That's threatening to think, who am I going to be? Who are my people going to be? Where am I going to fit in? Am I going to be okay? Again, that primal old saber-toothed tiger fear now being society, you can see how this gets dicey. Yeah. No, and even even on the podcast, so I I, I kind of really get it in my personal relationships, but even on this podcast, you know, we've started to get some guests to have messages that are on the fringes of what sort of mainstream allowable conversation. Yes. And I'm yes. like challenged, like, do I go there? And like, yeah. You know, it's I'm starting to feel that tension, right? Even on the podcast, like with certain guests on certain topics, right? Of course, yeah. Oh, we could go there if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I could absolutely make you uncomfortable that way. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. I guess it's it's it's, it's a tension that any any of us choose to take this in your inner path, you you can't yeah. avoid it. It's like you can't right. have the one without the other. You can't grow internally without without facing some social challenge. It just seems it's it's not possible, right? Well, that's not the culture we're in. We're or, or it's not the culture we've been in. Now, I would say that COVID has played a really big role in challenging that. And as a as a whole, as an entire culture, we're going through our own death and rebirth right now. We're going through our own transformation process, and we don't really know what that looks like yet completely. We, we have lots of ideas about what might be on the other side of this. But when the culture goes through this transformation, then it becomes safer to be in the culture. And, and 20 years ago, you know, having had a consciousness experience was really weird to explain to people. Like it was really weird. Now they're like, oh, cool. How did yours work? You know, <laughs> how did it happen to you? Did you take drugs? You know, what I mean, <laughs> this huge conversation going on now that 20 years ago, they'd be like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Right, right. Yeah. But but I suppose what's also yeah, it's it, in some ways it's you're right that it's more um it's more common to talk about it. 
But in some ways, yeah. it's almost like there was that window in the, and I don't know, the 60s, 70s, but it almost seemed like there was like this window open where the people are having much deeper and richer conversations all around that. And then it seems yeah. to have gone into abeyance a bit. It's, it's like both more common and popular, but somehow less, I don't know, salient in the culture or less like it's, I can't, it's, it maybe doesn't have as much attention. It. Right. Yeah. Maybe yeah, we yeah. have homogenized it. Yeah. Yeah. We've just made it, we've made it okay and not weird. I mean, there was a time when yoga was considered like evil. Right. And, and now what you don't do yoga how do you take care of your body you know and and the same with meditation meditation i think one of the big challenges with consciousness as a whole is that we have thrown it into the spirituality pot and so if you've already decided spirituality is weird or not for me or whatever then it this is not accessible to you consciousness is not accessible to you i see consciousness as a brain function it awakens a spiritual aspect of it but that doesn't mean they're the same thing. And so as humans, if we're evolving before our very own eyes, we are growing more conscious, which if you think about it is, of course that's happening because we're aware of so much more. We're aware of a whole world. I'm now aware as a white person that I wasn't aware of what it means to be a black person, or at least a tiny bit more aware. I'm still not aware, right? Uh, men are beginning to see how it is to be a woman in the culture today. We are seeing how it is to live in New Zealand with a different kind of president, right? Or, you know, leadership. Um, you know, all of those things are expanding our awareness. And that isn't spiritual. That's just growth. That's just capacity for awareness. And, and it is growth. And again, there's a spiritual component if if that awakens in you and that's something you want. But what used to be, if you were awakening, it was a spiritual experience. It, it's not actually true. They're not the same thing. Right. Yeah. They're, they're not the same thing. And yet it seems as you say that on the one hand, I think you're right. You know, this consciousness is expanding. We do become aware. We're sort of, we, 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 we're just exposed to a much greater breadth of information it's much easily right. more easily accessible and yet it also seems somehow that that society is becoming less conscious you know you see more people are sort of zoned out with like netflix and you know social yeah. media and you know comfort food and like it, it's it seems like two things are happening right there seems to be this expansion of people who are leading more conscious lives and doing more deeper self-work and like finding more expansive ways to live and at the same time, there's sort of almost a, redu a mainstream reduction in people's consciousness somehow. That's what I sense. Well, the, new the news is telling us that, but this is how I feel about it. When I've worked all day in a deeply conscious way, because that's the work that I do in the world, like my job is to be conscious with people, right? So when I've done that all day, come seven o'clock, I get up usually super early, but you know, sometimes very often four in the morning. Right. By the time seven o'clock comes around, it's too early to go to bed. Right. But um, Netflix is literally the only option my brain has left. Like it's like there's nothing I'm not going to read. I'm not going to, you know, um, you know, I, I live alone. So it's like it's it's Netflix or nothing, honey. You know, so I do believe we're doing more Netflix. But is it possible we're doing more Netflix because it's so challenging to our brains, to our little gen to expand in the ways that we're being forced to expand all day? So are they separate? Are some people just doing Netflix? I think we're all kind of needing a break from 
you know, all the catastrophes, the fires, the earthquakes, the snowstorms, the water breaking, the Flint water, all of those things, that expansion is exhausting. And so we expand and then we contract. And then we, the next day we have room for expansion again. I would, I would argue, I think that's happening more than a division. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I suppose I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I suppose I didn't really mean it per se as a division, but more just a, a sense of, um, yeah, like a simultaneous expansion in one corner and contraction sure. in another of our sort of uh, yeah. of humanity. And I know that sounds like grandiose. Oh, Rich, you're putting yourself in the expansion box, are you? I know it can sound grandiose, but I still get that. I don't know. I still get that sense just from my own yeah. interactions with people. It, it it may well be, and I do think that there's people who can you know who who confront the growing, expanding world as opposed to join in on it. I would definitely say they're like, okay, you know, this is one of the reasons why I think we very much are seeing a lot of things with, you know, build a wall and borders and all of those kinds of things. If you think about it as a psychological function, it's saying, this is too big for me. I can't think about the whole world. I'm, I'm trying to get by with me and my family. I'm just trying to make sure that we can pay the rent or whatever it is. So it's a privilege to be able to be in an expanded reality, but not everybody's doing that and not everybody's choosing that. And I don't think that makes them bad. I think it makes them tired. I think I have a lot of compassion for someone who says enough is enough. You know, I I can't, I can't love the whole world. It's too big. I can't care about people in China. It's too much. So I'm going to make them my enemy and separate myself from them, or at least make them other enough that it doesn't have to be in my world. It does. I don't have to include them in what I love and care about and feel responsible for. Right. Yeah. That makes some, yeah, that makes some sense. It also relates. I know that the, the happiness where people have tracked happiness over time, and I know there are problems with those surveys, but happiness has been declining. And I wonder yeah. if that sort of f- f- fits into what you're saying there, right? We're just, well, I'm sure it's not the only thing that's happening, but it's one of the things that I see happening and it allows me to stay in compassion instead of polarity around, you know, me and other. I mean, I, I, I believe as humans right now, the biggest thing on our planet, which COVID inadvertently helped with was realizing that we are, we are all connected. That used to be a spiritual kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, we're all connected, right? No, we really are all connected. Yes. Yes. That's a pretty big challenge for our psyches to grasp. It's a pretty big ask of our brains to now care about the whole world, some of which is always in extreme danger. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. Um, But I think the way that I think, I think the other thing that COVID has done, certainly for me, is I've actually simultaneously become more connected to what's local. So I found myself helping out in my village. Like I, I I was like getting the papers for this guy who was shielding in our village, you know, the, and I'd never done any volunteering in my village where I live. And, you know, in the last few months, I've done more than I've done in the last like three or four years living there. Um, That's exciting. And, and with extra space and time, because I'm not doing so much community, I'm now thinking, oh, well, maybe this summer I'm going to put a bit more effort into the garden and maybe connect a bit more with the land and maybe start growing some vegetables. And so yes. there's this simultaneous, as you say, like sense of like, oh God, you know, we are all connected at some level and you, you sort of have this sort of global consciousness somehow, but also like, a connect a, a, certainly for me a desire to connect more to my locality and, and literally the earth right you know yes but to me isn't 
isn't that a beautiful response? Like you can't change the world. It's too big. There's too much. I mean, there's, you could even begin to. But if now you're taking action in your community, I think that actually helps you manage the fact that at least you're doing your part, right? I used to say, you know, I, I can't change the world, but I can change my corner of the block. And and, and I need to know which corner of the block is mine to work with. And, and then you actually get psychic relief because you are doing something, even if you're not doing everything, it's when we get really stressed is when we see everything there is to be done, we've shut down and we're not even doing our part. There's a lot of pain in our mental processes when we don't do something, when we don't give something. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I think you can, I mean, if there's two ways, so it's almost like two things you could do simultaneously. One, it's for me at least, it is reducing that flow of information yes. down yes. and turn off the news and turn off, you know, yes. and to at least turn that down to a trickle is what I, you know, one of the things I'm working right. on, but also amp up like my connection to what's real and local. And uh, yeah. yeah, that feels like the perfect solution to globalization is, is local action to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, taking it even more local is to, to your book. Exactly. Inside <laughs> not yourself. Not just my garden, not just my house, <laughs> inside here. That's right. Yeah. 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 I, could, I, I could tend to this one for the rest of my life and we will still, you know, die imperfect. I, I remember that when my dad passed away, I was um, 19 years old and, uh, you know, he always had these index cards, these yellow index cards, and used a red pen on them. And when I went to his house after he'd passed away, uh, his entire dining room table was filled with them, filled with things to do, people to connect with, things he wanted to say. He, he died rather suddenly. And, and uh, we knew he was dying, but it was still sudden. And, and what do they do with those cards? I put them all in a pile and I threw them away. And when I did that, I realized I too am going to die with my yellow index card with red writing on it with things I'm intending and someone will throw them away. Yeah. So that's okay. I'm not going to try to fix all of that. But, I, yeah. you know. Yeah. Now, the other thing we, we talked at the top of this is about leadership and conscious leadership. Um, so yeah. what does that mean for, you know, what, what, what does conscious, look, conscious leadership look like for you? Well, so consciousness is simply an increasingly expanding capacity for awareness on many levels, multidimensional levels. It's not just five senses getting sharper, although that also happens. Um, there's uh, many, many degrees we know from, you know, people from all over the world who've broken through or had a breakthrough in consciousness that, that it's a thing. It's not just an idea. It's a thing. It's a thing that happens and capacity that happens. So then what happens when those people um, are in jobs and in leadership positions? How do they lead differently? Which is where, for example, Frederick Leloux's work comes in in Reinventing Organizations, his book, which you can also just Google him. Really good work. Really good work. Oh, I've read his book and it's, yeah, it's, it's, almost re- it's almost referenced every other podcast, right? <laughs> I know because, because it's the closest we've got. It, you, know, you, can, you can go back and dissect it and say this or that or whatever, but it's, it's a map forward that we can look at and say, okay, I can experiment from here, right? So um, and I happen because I mentor leaders, I happen to know that a lot of those leaders are reading that book. 
and saying, how do we do this differently? But to me, a leader is anyone who has some degree of consciousness in the, you know, in, in, if, you're, if you're a fifth grader uh, speaking to a kindergartner or a 12th grader speaking to a fifth grader, from a standpoint of your capacity for consciousness, you're a leader. You know, a master is five steps ahead with a lantern. That's the way that I look at it, right? So, so if I'm five steps ahead in my consciousness and I am going to be working with other people, then my ideas are going to be different. My suggestions might be different. My ways of being might be different. And those things naturally lead us forward. So it can be very organic. And I think it should be organic. Uh, we should allow it to be organic. Frederick Gulu found out that it was, in fact, largely organic. Um, people were doing the same things that didn't know about each other, hadn't had discussions about it. So it indicates that something organic is happening. And so when we go into leadership, you could be, you know, the male guy of the business and have more consciousness than the CEO. Uh, it, it's often the fact. Um, so, so leadership isn't about rank anymore. Leadership is now about what do I have? What can I see? What can I give? And what process do I need to go through in order to give that more freely and be that, you know, and move my consciousness along. So to me, leadership is, is five steps ahead with a lantern, someone willing to raise their hand and say, I'll go first. No idea what I'm doing, mind you, because no one knows what they're doing right now because the world is changing so fast. But I'll go first. So to me, that's, that's what a leader is. Now, how do we get people with consciousness who have positions of power to move the way they've been doing things? That's the big nut to crack. That's the big challenge that's out there right now is how do we get those? Because when you have power, you have a lot more to lose. You have yeah. a lot, you know. And so, so moving uh, and your moon kind of, shines a lot brighter, right? That's you're, right. You're, oh, you're, you're, so bright, you know. And so, you know, my method, the way that I work with people, is to show what consciousness, the exciting parts of consciousness, what consciousness can do, where it can be. So you get more excited about your growth than you are about your bank account, and that does not happen day one. <laughs> they happen, you know, like <laughs> it's like. Uh, I don't want to tell you that I'm not threatening your bank account. It really, most people's bank accounts do exceptionally well with consciousness. But the fear is that, that again, that's the, when you've become king of the hill or king of the country or CEO of the company, you've got a lot to lose. You've got a lot that you have to manage. So my work is because I understand the maverick talent and the, the different kind of mind. Um, including the mind that's on the spectrum, which I think is really fascinating. Um, the, you know, the, uh, call it the um, Asperger's or autism or neurodiversity spectrum. Those things are really exciting to see the movement in that. And how can I bring this about in such a way that you're actually more excited about your growth than you are about your historical power? That's a, that's a big conversation and it takes a long time to have with people, but it does prove fruitful. Wow. Yeah. Um, and you're right. That's a, that's a huge, and I can, I can attest with my own bank balance. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. You have to let go of, you have to, I think that you have to let go of your bank, but that is a really important thing. Right. And, and talk about identity and let go of linking identity to 
salary level or positional power yeah. in a company, right? That 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 those are some of the hardest chains initially for me to break in terms of making that move to going within and most people yeah. again. Our entire culture was built on money equals you're safe. You're you're safe from the community rejecting you. You know, you, you're safe from not being without someone. You're safe from, I mean, it's just, it's, it's the ultimate money equals safety in our culture and more money. And at least for me, safety. money, money meant sex when I was a young That's right. man. That's right? right. Exactly. That was how I exactly. got one of the ways I could get the girl. So that was exactly. another break. It's still the way to you make. get the girl in our culture. It's still the way you get the girl, right? Um, and that is one of the things that holds us back. But if you take if you take a step back and say, that is humanity disconnecting from old sources of power organically and saying, you know what, I'd rather have the right girl than the girl I can buy. You know, that's growth. Yeah. 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 And it's um, yeah, it's it's well, I'm I'm just sort of I, I'm reeling from the fact that you've you've just articulated something that I've you know I've kind of <laughs> known and wrestled with, and I suppose just never come out in this way. And like, uh, yes, that's it, that's it, Robin. Yeah, no, it's, awesome, uh, awesome. Yeah, so no, there's so many there's so many really interesting conversations. And to me, I think that the biggest thing I just tell people is like. Assume that we're evolving before our very own eyes. I've said it several times. Assume that you're evolving right now, that we as a culture are evolving right now, that nature that created us, of which we are, we are not separate from, but nature probably knows, generally speaking, I mean, we know basically a three-year-old becomes a four-year-old becomes a five-year-old with, quite frankly, no effort on their part <laughs> to, yep, to become yeah. older other than yeah. time passing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then then if we are evolved, we can step out of the I'm the king of the hill, humanity is the top of the, you know, the top of the food chain, and therefore we're done. And we go back into we're evolving. I like evolving better than learning. I mean, learning used to be kind of the buzz thing now, but now it's like, well, we're just evolving. And I'm evolving and you're evolving and hum- humanity's evolving. And nature's helping us evolve more quickly because we have to to survive. I mean, look, we I like that because it. I like that because you know? it, it it points to the this connectedness point, right? Because yes, I learn, exactly. right? I learn this thing, but you know, like if I'm in some kind of process of evolution, it points to the fact like this is a collective process. Let's say exactly. And so when we get out of the I which is, you know, consciousness will teach you that there is no I or whatever. Don't try not to get, I try not to get too hooked up in that conversation. What I, all I want to know is, is that if this is not all I, then I am not to blame and I am not for credit. I am a part and I'm going to do my part and I'm going to go as far as I can go. And the pressure to be right, the pressure to be powerful, the pressure all just starts to disintegrate and you just flow into that next thing. We flow into the next conversation. We flow into the next capacity. And yes, we grieve the things that fall away. For sure, we grieve the things that fall away. It's hard. You know, I call it pulling the chicken from the bone if you were cooking, you know, like pulling that chicken from the bone, it just looks terrible, right? You know, it was raw chicken. It feels like that. And that's really hard. Um, But if I'm not completely to blame and I'm not completely responsible, then I am more free to be creative and therefore I'm going to contribute more. And so right. it is helpful to see that it's that we're all in this together 
so that we're freed up to actually create the future that's going to work. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's all in this together. That's an important, yeah, I do think that's an important message. Like it's not, we can't just see this as an individual journal, or we can, but it's, it's limiting, right? To see that. See, yeah. see and there's stages. I've actually kind of delineated the lenses that I see people go through. And one of the stages is to let go of that. I is all important. And the only way to do that is if I feel safe, right? If I feel safe to go into we, right? Then I don't have to make all that money or that I don't have to do like, I, but I have to feel safe before I'm going to let go of that I. So how do we, how do we create safety? Well, a new community is forming around we, and we can join that community and we still have a community to feel safe in. Yeah. And I can also, how you can apply some of the principles of, um, you know, you're in a warrior here because, you know, what's that minimal vibe? Like what's the little action yes. that, you know, has me connect a bit more to my community that doesn't thre- threaten that the big eye too much, you That's know, right. the eye associated with the big brain um, that starts to build an identity, you know, founded in community or connected to community, right? Yeah. And I can tell you for sure, should it, should it um, assure you personally that uh, having been married to a farmer once, um, gardening is very sexy. women women will see that and they will be like okay uh i don't know about the bank account but that's cool (laughs) well there's good research on that i've got you know um well yeah this is one of these dangerous good research on that 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 women find um those often traditional masculine activities to be sexy like um, sure. Yeah. Well, I don't see that as traditionally masculine in our culture. I see that as growth. If you're willing to be uh, grow a garden, that's growth in our culture. <laughs> right. Well, that, yeah. That, that's yeah. That's great. Yeah. No. That's um. <laughs> I feel assured that I won't be compromising you my were... sex appeal by uh, picking up a church. Tra- 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 Not at all. Not at all. Not <laughs> I did not expect to get that from this podcast, but <laughs> uh, I'm going to bank that one. Good. I'm glad to make. I'm glad to make that contribution. <laughs> right. Um. So uh, yeah, I don't know how much longer you've got now, Robin. I know we're coming up to the end of the. I, I forgot to ask you at the start. Do you need? Have you got a, like a hard stop at half past? Uh, I have an eleven o'clock stop. So no, I have a half an hour. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. I just wanted to to ask a question on. Uh. Like. I suppose we've touched into it, but for people who are in a leadership position and, and are attracted to this idea, right? Okay. Okay. So, okay. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and like be less driven by the status and the bank account and, and the position. And I move into this space of, uh, conscious leadership, right? And it's about, you said what I have, what I can see, what I can give. Like what, like what have you seen as, as some of the s- steps that have helped people initiate that path? I think this experience that's outside of what I would consider kind of the the typical expected reality. So you have to step outside of, if you will, being a wolf on Wall Street. You have to step outside of that long enough to see, oh, wait, there's sunshine in the world. And believe it or not, people go years without realizing that nature still exists because they're living inside of a different paradigm. They're, they're living in their heads. So, okay, nature's here and the sun is beautiful 
and life has beauty and it's not attached to this other paradigm. Uh, and, and I don't, you know, I don't have to figure out a way to bottle sunshine um, like that. I don't have to sell it. I can just be in it. And so there's a really big inner experience of relief that comes from not being separate, from not being in the pressure of the, of the top. And moving into, I am part of nature. Nature is beautiful. Nature takes care of itself. It is dangerous, but also remarkably reliable. The sun rises so far every day of my life, you know? And you move into that and you begin to relax a little and just literally you're walking outside of a paradigm. And so, um, and you know, someday we can talk about virtual reality and things like that that really help, right? But, but for right now, just walking outside of the paradigm that you've been living in, as if that's the only one there is, is a huge help to say, okay, there's other ways to be besides the way I've always been. Right. That's a big wedge in that reality. Yeah. Just to, Does that answer and the I suppose, yeah. And I suppose that just, so that might just been exploring those possibilities as you put it, like, what would it mean yeah. if, uh, if it were true that the nature can give me everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, or even, you know, at some point, everyone on this journey, regardless of where you are, mailroom CEO, everyone on the journey comes to the same challenge points. It's a matter of degree, a matter of intensity, whatever, but they're all the same challenge points, no matter who you are or where you are. And one of those things is, is this enough? So if we look at the maps, I, I teach the maps of the journey. The map of the hero's journey, you know, in the culture is only recently, Joseph Campbell's work has only recently come out, um, you know, compared to all of humanity. Like we figured, we figured out that there's this hero's journey going on. The heroine's journey is virtually unknown. Maureen Murdoch's work, unknown. But the culture is actually starting to go through that, which is you look around one day something in you is blossoming and you look around and you say, is this all there is? And you realize that even though you were successful and then you were really successful and then you scaled that success, you still wake up in the morning with that question. Is this all there is? And that's supposed to happen inside of us. We're supposed to grow beyond. Is this all the, you know, all the stuff that was there in the culture. And now, and it might be because you've gotten a diagnosis and you're going to die. It might be because the whole world is going to die through fires and hurt, you know, earthquakes or whatever, right? It might, there's lots of different ways that it comes. But when we get to that point, when something inside of us says, is this all there is, we tend to get very depressed. And that's actually progress, right? Because now we're starting to see this world. It's the classic Siddhartha story, you know, the Buddha, where he was this king and this, you know, prince and all of the great stuff. And he walked out and he saw the suffering. So inside of us, this happens. It's actually a metaphor, right? Inside of us, this thing happens and we start to get depressed. And our culture, this started to happen for women 30, 40, 50 years ago. And what we did with the women is we medicated them. We put them all on antidepressants, right? And then we started everybody who was unhappy. We said, oh, well, can't have that. We're going to just medicate everybody. And that medication has saved lives. So I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't have done that in many cases. But as a culture, millions and millions and millions and millions of people on the same drugs that basically make you numb out. 
and you don't feel that pain, but that pain actually is what moves us forward. So now what you're finding is people are, are being forced to move forward either way. And when we're forced to move forward, we ask the bigger questions. Who am I? What's it all about? You know, all the classic stuff. And so we move out of this tight space and now we move into depression, sadness. Oh my God, the world is falling apart. I don't know who I am. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to get traction. And then something in that process, that's the, in alchemy, that's the manure, right? The, uh, the putrefication is, is the word they use and it feels just like that, right? And from that, something blossoms. It's the lotus. The lotus blossoms out of manure. Again, that's the symbol from a religion that we, we still are living, right? We're still living that. Yeah. So then we start this blossoming like, oh, what is this thing blossoming? Oh, wait. It's me. Oh. And then you go through a phase where you are impossible to live with because you are so cool. Like, I am so cool. Are you kidding? Like, I am a lotus. Oh, this is so exciting. I am a lotus. And you feel very myopic. And that's also a natural part of the journey. You have yeah. now become fascinated with what's happening. And yeah. then you move on from there and, and it all progresses. But from what I've seen, the progression is classic, standard. You know, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, a default, if you will, once yeah. it starts. And so I'm really interested in, in those maps because they show us where we've been and where we are and give us some hope about where we're going. Yeah. And I can also see how that helps people to orient themselves in this conversation, in this journey right. that they might want to take. Or I guess once they're interested, they're already on it. I mean, that's my experience. They're like, on it. Yeah. yeah. That's why you're searching the internet for, you know, all the new things. Right. And, and we're trying, um, you know, psychedelics, psychedelics are becoming much bigger because it's a fast track. It's just, I mean, it's a fast track in one way. Then you have the integration, which is the slow track. It's, it's, you know, either way, it's going to take you a while. Right. So you can see this amazing expanded reality. And then you can also be like, okay, now what do I do? I have to go back to my job. So it's a journey. We're all on, we're all on this journey. Right. And then right. we're collectively on this journey. And what is your view on that? You, you mentioned it in the book, the ayahuasca and, you know, people taking that route of, you know, some kind of mind expansion type. Um, yeah. Like experiences, like do, does that help or what's your sort of view on that? I, you know, I have more than once said I wish everyone would do it once. You know, I don't think it's a way to live. But I wish everyone would do it once because if nothing else, you begin to understand what is actually capable in here and you set things to fire. But we do have a culture now where people are not prepared very well most of the time. And, uh, and you know, what good is it to see the entire truth of the nature of the universe if you come back to a suffering self? And so creating something that helps us move along to a better uh, reality and and helping us integrate these experiences and what does it mean? So it's 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 a it's a huge boon for a moment, but then the journey is integration, and uh, we need we need better integration before I would say, yeah, everybody should do this. Not everybody's ready for it. Yeah, and a lot of and it gets yeah, I certainly have heard stories where it can set people backwards right i mean people you hear well, it all the time they do this and then they right? yeah and they end up committing suicide right so it's, it's yeah uh, yeah yeah you know, depression in a big way if you go out really big you're going to probably have a bigger depression um but again depression isn't 
wrong. Depression is slowing you down to see what's wrong. And then you go out of the depression in order to change those things and to move through them. But it's not, a, you know, I always, I remember reading my first alchemy text and, and it's like, you know, okay, stage one's here. Yep. Got it. Two, three, four. Oh, four is so cool. Yeah. And then five is like, and you'll get really depressed. I'm like, why would anyone want to do this? <laughs> if you're going to be depressed. Like, why would anyone? And what I realized is you don't get a choice. Once you hit four, five is inevitable, but so is six and seven. Right. So we need to have conversations around this journey in a big way. And so I try yeah. to have those. And thank you for having it right here. Yeah, right no, now. I, I, I totally, <laughs> no, 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 that's, this, I've been loving it. I, 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 uh, and I completely concur on the depression point. You, it's like, you hear that all like, it's a bad thing to get depressed. I'm like, no, no, that's your body telling, you know, that's it's slowing you down. Go with yeah. it. Don't resist it. And anything, go right. deep with it. Is there something you've got to yeah. grieve here? Like, like what's the depth of it? Explore the depth of it. Like, don't you know it's, it's this sense of oh i've got to get up out of bed or i've got i've got to, i've got to find a way to you know get pull myself yeah. together and you know get back on track i'm like no no this this no. is gold like yeah explore it yes, deepen yes. it like feel it feel all of it right and and it'll teach you something yeah. and, you'll, and, and you and may you know even what? grieve something indeed I, I have to tell you one of the classic things that happens on the heroine's journey classic you're going to find yourself classic is that when you go down into that, the thing you want to do most is get your hands in the earth and grow things. <laughs> so you're classic, right? You think the garden is just a great idea, but it's actually archetypally what happens next. Yeah. It's in the books. Like, I mean, I'm not making it up. Yeah, no, I, I, I uh, yes. I, I don't know where I'm at on this. I should look at some of these maps. I certainly feel like I'm, I'm not as myopic as I used to be. So perhaps I'm coming a little bit out of the sort of myopic and I'm starting to get a sense of this connection with we and community is, is, is the next phase of this. So I'm, yeah, I don't know, probably yeah. so, perhaps towards the end of that phase, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's helpful to know that it's organically happening and, and we think we're doing it, but we think, you know, but we're actually moving to something very, deep and powerful in nature that is um, awakening us, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, a sort of force that's at the root of this awakening. Well, in the same way, there's a force at the root of a flower blossoming. It's, it's yeah. not, you know, I mean, that's pretty magical if you actually step back and think, how does the flower come to be? Right? Yeah. So it, it's pretty amazing. And what we're going through is pretty amazing too. But to me, when I step back, I'm like, do we really think that nature has created a demon called humanity that is going to destroy everything? Like that isn't nature not knowing what you can say she, because most people say mother nature, right? But nature not knowing what it's doing to me seems like the greatest hubris we could have. Right, right. You know, and <laughs> I, I also say like, most teenagers, I've raised kids, right? So my kids are, are grown now. Um, but most teenagers survive those crazy years when they think they're invisible and they drive drunk and they do all kinds of crazy stuff. Not saying my kids did that, but some kids do, right? <laughs> um, but, but most teenagers survive. So if we could see ourselves in humanity as this teenager about to grow through this major growth spurt and most likely will survive, that's 
That's my view on it. I don't think we're doomed. I think that's the narrative because we still live in a culture that sells doom, right? That's, that's Oh, I'm completely really up with that. It's like, stupid, is it, but we do. <laughs> yeah, it's like every, every 10 years, that has to be the new, uh, the new crisis, right? You know, yeah, the new I, thing I that promise, we should all fear, <laughs> right? We're, we're living in one right now. I right? Yeah. And the as minute soon as this, COVID is done, global, that, global climate change is going to be the catastrophe on the menu in the news. I promise you. Exactly. We're just waiting for the news cycle to move to the next thing. And, and if you want to challenge the bigger pictures, like maybe we should challenge the news cycle. Like to me, that has to be challenged even more than a one political party over another. The news cycle is the problem. And we don't look at that. We actually trust the news. Right. But we feed it. We create it with our own attraction and addiction to the, to, to the story and to the, to that fear state. So it's like, we, we are, we, we generate, we create it every day with our, where we choose to put our attention. So it's. We're, we're playing in the field. We're playing in the field and we, we do get to decide, but you don't get to decide what field you're playing in until you realize that you're playing in the field, right? That's a consciousness step. When you realize that you're actually you know, people say you're creating your own reality and that just screws most people up. But when you realize that you're paying attention to a particular reality and therefore seeing that one over the 10,000 other things that you see in a day, we see gazillion things in a day. We choose to see the ones that agree with us because that makes us feel good. Um, when we do that, we're, we're actually, um, I would rather say instead of choosing our reality, I'd say we're, we're choosing what channel to tune ourselves to well once you realize you're doing that and it's not truth it's just one of the realities well you can change like why wouldn't you and when i when i was a young person um uh in college i i watched uh soap operas because like all the girls we we left class and we went and sat and watched the soap operas and it didn't take me very long to realize that i was getting depressed after every episode so I stopped. Yeah. It was like unheard of, but I just stopped. And I'm like, I'm not watching anything that looks like a soap opera ever again in my life. And, and so I was able to pull myself away. I don't know why I had the capacity to do that, but I did. And probably because my dad was in television and raised me to question commercials and things like that. But, um, but we, once you get to the perspective, the expansion that says, I'm choosing to re-wound myself, I don't have to, I'm going to choose something else. Well, now you've really made a consciousness leap. Yeah. Yeah. And if we go all the way back to Shannon, you're in a warrior. Ultimately, that's all I hope to do in 31 days is help you see that you're the one that's chosen the channel that you're tuned to. So behind the capacity to change is this bigger question of how do I put my brain together? And wait a minute, I have choices about that. And I can be led by wisdom, a wisdom figure, or I can be led by this genius demon ally that just wants to screw me over every day. Right. Yeah. You get to choose. Yeah, you get to choose. But it, it, but it, it starts with the observation and the awareness, right? You know, what can I see? Exactly. Like, or what do I have and what do I see? That was a question. So you, you said there's three questions. What do I have? What do I, what do I see? What can I give? What's the, what's the like, what do I have bit? That's interesting to me. Well, I have talents in certain ways and not in others. 
I have money that can be distributed in different ways. I have a lot of things. I have relationships. I have leverage through powerful relationships. I have all kinds of things. What do you have? What do you have at your disposal? Um, if you asked me to, um, to be in charge of the world's Google spreadsheets, we're doomed. We're absolutely doomed. <laughs> There's no question in my mind that we are doomed. You don't want to put me on that job. If you want to put me on the job of challenging the premise of the culture that we live in, I'm going to be able to offer something. So we have to know what we have and not, we don't all have the same thing. Somebody else is going to be brilliant at the Google spreadsheets. And, and I, I want them to be doing the research and I want them, I want the person who passed statistics with an A plus to be doing the statistics <laughs> and that won't be me. So, I mean, I don't even think I passed at all. So those kinds of things are what I mean by that. Right. And what's the, I mean, on the one hand, that just sounds obvious, like ask yourself what you're good at, but is there, it feels to me that there's, it's not as easy as that always. Certainly for me, it's not always easy. I mean, because I feel like I'm quite, a, quite good at a lot of things. Like, so what, yeah, what, yeah. what's the thing I, you know, well, I sort of say that, I'm, that I have, right? Yeah. So what is your desire? You could be really good at you know, one thing and actually have no desire to do that. And so the challenge is to do the thing. Desire, I believe, is nature's way of just like, just like, you know, between a man and a woman, we fall in love and have rose-colored glasses and find ourselves getting married and then realize maybe it wasn't exactly the way we thought it was, right? Nature does that trick on us. <laughs> I like that trick, actually. I, you know, there's people who just stay in that trick and keep getting married. But anyway. <laughs> The, the idea is, is that nature has done that. So to me, nature's telling me what my desire is, is my greatest indicator of where I'm going to be in harmony with nature. It's a, it's not a bad thing. And that's another thing our culture has told us that our desire is probably wrong and probably bad. And I don't think it's probably wrong and probably bad. I think it's actually can be very authentic and accurate. But again, we have to make sure, is it our desire or are we just pleasing the culture? Yeah. And that's why you have to learn to separate those and say, okay, you know, that's what the culture wants from me. What do I want from me? What do I feel? And this isn't selfish. This is uh, a compass, a true north inside of us. Yeah. And that relates to your intuition, right? Is this a desire to achieve something externally that the, you know, that, that the culture wants of me, that, that yeah. I know that I will be validated by the culture for? Or is this something somehow intrinsic that makes me feel good and in harmony with nature when I'm engaging in it or, or use this asset that I have? And it gets really tricky when both are happening at the same time, because what happens is when you're truly in your own genius, you probably will be rewarded for it. So then I see people get stuck there too. They're like, oh no, I must be in my ego because I'm making money at what I really wanted to do. You know, and it's like, no, you're you're supposed it's all supposed to come together. It's uh, right. like, it's okay. It's okay. Um you can get stuck yeah. there, but it's not inherently bad to to be rewarded for your genius in the world. Why wouldn't you be? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's 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 something, yeah, to be. To, to separate out, I can see that, right? You know, maybe we've got something in our big brain uh, around money right. Right? or That's success. Right. That's right. We find, as I say that, there's something I've had to do quite a lot of work on, right? It's sort of resistance to success. And 
Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting. In general, if I were to break it down, in general, in our culture, men have to work on money and women have to work on beauty because that's what we've been rewarded for or told that we will be rewarded for or been penalized for not having. Right. So in general, I see those. And it's, you know, to me, masculine and feminine is a a total spectrum inside of every person. Yeah, Um, I agree. But. But, yeah, we have to we have to look at that. And then, you know, like my dad, when I was growing up, my dad would be like, Robin, marry money. And I'd be like, screw you, dad, I'm going to make money. And he's like, that's my girl. You know, so I have to deal with that, you know, piece of it. We all have our own messages and stuff. We all have to deal with our stuff. And then there comes a time when we have to set it down and say, this has been fun, but the world is burning. I think I'm going to go out and do something more than just figure out my own stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, a, <laughs> that's so true. And yet the paradox there is, of course, the more I do work on my own stuff, the greater is my capacity to connect to the we and to nature and to the environment. So it's like this, it's not straightforward. It's not like you get to a point, okay, I'm done with self now. I can just focus on, you know, my well, connection. Well, you do to- actually. You think? Oh, I know. I know. The spectrum of this journey ends with you having basically a total sense of freedom from the self. I mean, if you go all the way to full consciousness, that's really what what's at the end of that line. Um, And so. That's a beautiful freedom. As well, but it does the self like to me, the self is the husk of the seed that finally drops away or the rocket boosters that fall away once you're far enough along. Okay, that's interesting. So, okay, I mean that that's that's mind blowing to think that you. I can understand how you see. I've always conceived it more of a dance, right? There's the like the dance coming in and out of self and sort of non, you know, duality and non-duality, right? Like that. There's a sort of perpetual dance, but you see it that at a certain point it completely falls away. That's well, when you figure out when you figure out that the self is a construct that you've created, right? That Again, that's what Inner Warrior is about. You, you find out that you've actually created this construct of this self, then, and we're talking very esoteric here. Many people will not ever even want to go to this place. So, but if you want to talk about, you know, kind of what I see as the end of the line, at least for humanity so far, is we, we realize and we start laughing at ourselves. We're like, oh my gosh, I'm making all of this up. This is a game. I'm making it all up. And so then the self just drops because away. Because we important. <laughs> right. It's not important. It's, it's a construct. It's like, it's like it's the car that you drive. And when you're young in your journey, it really matters that you're driving a Mercedes. Right. And then later on, you're just, you know, you don't care. Did it get you where you wanted to go? And you can express yourself by saying, you know, actually, I'd like a Jaguar or whatever it is. You can express yourself, but it's not tied to your identity. So it's not threatening anymore. It's not it's not who you are. You know, right. anyway, and that's a much no, bigger it's good. You know, I've gone quiet because it's like, <laughs> I guess I guess there's probably something in me. No, 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 the self must keep going till the bitter end. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, it doesn't have to. It can. And, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with any of the stages. That's the beauty of um, looking at this and just saying, I, I don't look at a two-year-old and say, you're wrong. You should be four. 
You know, I, I know that a two-year-old is a two-year-old and that's where that's not bad. Now the two-year-old may be really angry that they can't do what their four-year-old brother does. Right. Um, but, but there's nothing, everything is happening. It sounds so cliche, but everything is happening according to our nature. And if you're young on the journey, then you're going to be at a particular stage. And if you're further along the journey, you're going to be a particular space, stage, but it has nothing to do with value. And that's where the culture's really gotten it wrong because we have put a value on people as if your worth were actually able to be determined. And I tell people like, imagine a brand new baby, just out of just, you know, that first like breath of this baby. And you go up to it and you say, all right, how much are you worth? How much are you going to have? What are you going to do? Did you do it well enough? Are you, did you birth yourself well enough? Did you crunch your head the right way so that you didn't hurt your mom too? Like, we would never do that. But we do it to ourselves as older people all the time because the culture has primed us to feel unworthy. So we buy the dish soap so that we're worthy. It's really quite ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's where, how we were trained. So we have to decondition from that. Wow. Yeah. No, that's, um, that's so true. And maybe, you know, maybe that is a, yeah, well, that is a major theme of, of, of the conscious leader is their own deconditioning and then enabling others, empowering others, encouraging others to, to work on. That's the whole game in town. Deconditioning is the whole game. Once you're awake enough to know you need to decondition, that's the work. If you only do that, you're going to make huge strides. Right. Yeah, until the ultimate deconditioning, which is you decondition your own sense of self, right? Which... There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. But we don't have to go there. We don't have to scare people, right? <laughs> it's rather essentially frightening. I, I, so I, I love the fact I was like, I'm determined to keep it practical, and we've ended up the dissolution of self. Brilliant. Um, yeah, right. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know anywhere else to stop. <laughs> no, it's perfect. Okay. Well, I know you've got, uh, you know, something at 11, your time. So um, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks to Lisa. If she's listening to this, this far in, you know, for putting us in touch. Um, Yeah. It's been a pleasure. And buy the book. If you're, if you want to train your inner, inner warrior, there you go. Absolutely. Or go, if you want it online, be who you are.com because there you have uh, 10 hours of audio as well that goes with it. So either way. Yeah. Fantastic. And of course, hey. there's a course as well, right? That they can sign up to on uh, it's the, the same website. Course. It's the same yeah, course okay. as in the book, but Be it's just are, got, yeah. uh, it's got audio along with it and such. So anyway, All right. Fantastic. thank you so much, Richard. I appreciate it. Thank you. We'll put the links to that in the, in the show description. Thanks again, Robin. Fantastic. Thanks for your time. All Wonderful. Alrighty. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.